Welcome to Star Techies. This podcast will get inside the minds of some of the brightest stars in the field of technology. We kick off our first podcast by speaking to Donna Hanafi. Donna is certainly well known in the Swedish tech scene. She has experience in leading several tech startups that have been based in Stockholm, New York and San Francisco. Today, she's an advisor and board member to startups and also an investor. From working with the voting app Mentimeter, the e-commerce platform Ticktail, or consulting with Volvo's social innovation program, Donna is certainly a thought leader and a digital superstar. Thank you very much for joining us today, Donna. To start with, let's talk about your background. Now, you're a first-generation Swede, and you've said before that this really shaped you into the person you are today. So where did your parents come from, and where did you grow up? Uh, I was born and raised in uh, a village outside of Sandviken, uh, which is two hours up north from Stockholm, uh, with 2,000 people. <laughs> um, so very, very small. My, both of my parents are Egyptian, um, so I've spent a lot of time in Cairo uh, in my upbringing, which is like 20 million in as big of a size as Gothenburg. Very different. Um, so I'm. I usually refer to myself as like my very structured way of working and being as a person. That's very Swedish and the countryside, and my very chaotic uh, and also creative side is my Egyptian side. It sounds like these cultural differences have really positively shaped you as a person. So when did you first decide that you wanted to work in the field of technology? Um, so I studied human-computer interaction and media technology at KDH. And the reasoning for why I did that was basically because my parents said she was be- become being an engineer, a doctor, or like a lawyer or something that people can understand. Uh, and I, from the age of 16, I took a lot of time and trying to understand I knew I needed to go to university because you need to, uh, being Arab and coming from Egypt with my parents. But I wanted to choose for myself. Uh, I started building websites when, uh, what the age would be like today. I think young girls do like blogs and stuff. And I did that and building like designing interfaces and stuff. I thought that was really fun. I didn't understand that that was programming. Um, but I would say girls today are way more tech-savvy than uh, boys. But we don't understand that we are, or we don't know, because it's just fun and it's design. And, uh, but I started doing that, uh, and then I um, took a lot of dance classes from when I was small and young. And my way of getting my dad to continue paying for my dance classes, because they started to become expensive, is that I told him that I would study uh, something else for high school, uh, like something more uh, like a dance school, uh, uh, if, um, but I could study um, like uh, science and stuff if he promised to pay for all my dance classes. And so I started uh, studying um, technical design at uh, high school. Uh, so it was a trick to get my dad to pay for dance classes. I expect this deeply rooted love of negotiating is what spurred you on to create so many businesses. What was the first business that you created? Or I started my first business when I was in high school. Uh, it was a there's something called Ungföretagsamhet. So uh, it was a course uh, during high school, and we started our own like agency. 
where I created websites. We were four or five people then, and we did that for a year, and then we that went down. Uh, and then when I studied at KDH, I started my first consulting firm. So what was the main thing you learned after running your first business? And uh, We had a lot of fights, and I also had... Uh, two roles that you shouldn't have. <laughs> I had uh, a CEO role and I also had head of HR, which was don't do that. <laughs> uh, so yes, we had a lot of fights, which taught me a lot, but I did not take those lessons into consideration, which I wish, wish today that I would have because it would have helped me not doing the mistakes I've done in the startup world. So after starting your first business, did you think to yourself, ah, this is my calling. I'm going to be an entrepreneur and join the startup scene. I didn't want to, to be completely honest, I didn't want to become an entrepreneur. My dad uh, was an entrepreneur and he worked a lot. uh, And I thought that, and he traveled a lot. And I was like, why are you not home? Uh, So I really didn't want to become an entrepreneur. I didn't want to work. Uh, Or like, as my dad did, he worked all the time. He never had vacation. Like, five weeks of vacation, that has never happened. I think he had, at most, one week. Um, And then he worked during that week. So, no vacation. So I didn't want to. Um, But I think I slipped into it. I started working with large corporations after university. And then I was like, this is too slow for me. Uh, And I want to be in control. That's also a good and a bad thing. Uh, But I was standing in a queue outside of Paris because I was traveling a lot to Paris for work uh, with my friend. And we were like, this is, you could do this in so much better ways. Uh, So we wanted to take the physical queue into queuing into the digital world and a mobile app. We tried that. It failed uh, tremendously. And then I met um, a few guys from KDH. They had just started a company called Mentimeter. And that was my first, uh, like, startup, real startup uh, journey, I would say. Now, before we talk in greater detail about the startup scene and your experience there, you mentioned before how you'd really taken on board what you learned from your father, namely the pitfalls of the business world. Is there any other life advice, particularly related to the business world or technology, that you wish you'd known when you were a teenager? Uh, Things I wish I would have known when I was a teenager. Uh, And one thing I wish I would have known when I was a teenager is how much fun technology is and what technology is and how social it is um, and how much it is about people. Uh, so one of the things I heard a lot like after I studied is I met a psychologist and she said, you, it's so weird that you're an engineer because you are really, you really like, like working with people. And I was like, that was why I studied engineering, because I really love people. I really love users and creating stuff for others. And I wish I would have known that before, because then I would have studied more programming to understand that. Uh, I also wish I would have known uh, that I'm enough. Uh, And I also wish I would have known that even though people say you're not enough and you don't belong, don't listen. Uh, And if you need to, as I did, take that as fuel. Uh, but don't take that as fuel to become angry. One of the things that I've done a lot is I've been angry, 
but I managed sometimes, not all, all times, but I managed to turn that anger into something constructive and give me energy and feed off that rather than sitting at home and being angry at the world. And I think use that as fuel rather than take it as I can't do anything. Uh, I also would say don't care so much about what other people think about you. I know it's hard and I still struggle with it. But I wish I would have cared less about that when I was a teenager because then I would have gotten rid of a lot of friends that was bad for me. Yeah, there was a lot of, I would say when I was a teenager, I wasn't as, um, I didn't want to take as much space as I do today. And I was more, not shy, but I was afraid of being uh, seen or threatening others. But now I don't care if I do. And I would say that that's also one thing that I'm going to be myself and I don't really care what other people think. I think that the good thing now is I'm in a position that I can't, I can be like, I don't care. I think the thing is use all bad energy and f use it to fuel yourself and you can be in power. You can take control. Uh, don't listen to the people saying you can't. When I applied for KDH uh, when I was in high school, so I started directly after. Uh, and I remember my teacher telling me, come back in a year and uh, we'll see <laughs> where you're then. You won't, even if you get in, you won't, uh, you won't make it. And those things I could have taken and been like, he might be right. And yes, he might be right, but don't let people's weird sayings about who you are or what you can or can do be the truth. And also one of the best things, if you fail once, dust yourself off and try again. No one ever succeeds on the first, even the second or the third time. A failure is not something that says that you're bad. A failure is something you can learn from and become better at. There's a misconception about technology, the belief that technology is a male area, or at the very least you're uncool, a geek, if you enter this field. Now, you have an engineering background, but you've applied to the startup world, and you've been able to explore numerous different opportunities. So obviously your engineering degree did not mean that you had to only pursue pure engineering work. No, I have lots of friends who studied engineering, they work with HR today. And I mean, if you look at the start, if you look at the world, you see insurance tech, you see HR tech, you see horse tech, you see blah, blah, blah. Everything is going to become blah, blah, blah tech. And if you know tech, then you can do whatever you want. If you know the scene, if you know a little bit of programming, if you understand design or if you can design, that will enable you to do and work or wherever with whatever and wherever in the world you will be able to take control uh, so it's very cool i would say so what were some of the main things you learned after being involved in the startup scene ownership is very important like have ownership in companies and be entrepreneurs because then the thing i have noticed is now when i'm my own um 
I am like a majority shareholder in my own company or my companies uh, is that I have full control and that is really important don't I think when I've worked I've always had men uh, especially tell me what to do and dictating me and I think I'm not angry of that at all but I think the freedom and the flexibility and the power uh, I have now is very important for my own well-being and also for my performance. With working smarter, it's also one of the things that I found really important is I am bad at admin stuff, for example. I'm really bad at it. Don't do stuff that you're bad at. This weird thing about getting people to become mediocre or good at the things that they are bad in like oh let's talk about uh, your what you can develop in no don't focus on the things that you're bad at because it will cost you much more energy to get that up to a hygiene factor than focusing on the things that you're good at because if you do the things you're good at then you'll probably have much more fun and then you can become super good instead and you can also be happier uh, and I think that that's one of the things that I've learned by being in full control. I am bad at a lot of things. I don't do them. I focus on the things that I'm good at. Because that is what I want to be. I don't want to be mediocre at a lot of things. I want to be really, really good at a few things. And the things that takes a lot of energy from me that I'm bad at. I'm like, I say it all the time. I'm really bad at admin. I need someone else to do that. Because that takes a lot of energy and focus from the things that I'm really good at. So in terms of using your talents to the best of your ability, do you think when you're starting a new business that your skill normally lies in the ideation process, coming up with a new idea for the business, or really pushing that idea forward? I, I, think, I think both. And I also think an idea is nothing. And also, to be completely honest, ideas are shit. Uh, what, is, what matters is execution. Uh, like when people are afraid of sharing their ideas and stuff, it's, uh, it, it's the execution that makes an idea. Um, the execution is what's most important. And also, the only truth working in a startup, and I've worked at several now, the only truth is that your idea will change over time. And you need to not be very in love with your idea because you need to change it. Uh, so I would say I came on uh, before we raised money and Mentimeter um, and I would say what I'm really good at is making sure we test stuff and making sure like what works and what doesn't and what do we need to change. Can you give an example of how some of the original ideas behind the startups changed over time? After Mentimeter I worked at Ticktail and then uh, we started as an e-commerce platform where anyone could create their own web shop. But then we went into like, let's create a marketplace and that's kind of different. So the only thing that's true, and that's why, for example, investors look at the team rather than the idea. Yes, the idea also, but the team is the most important. Because if you, your team can't execute, your idea is worth nothing. It's execution that's worth money and not the idea. Um, the whole, the whole thing about the idea being the most important thing is not true. The idea about one entrepreneur being 
and like Einstein sitting somewhere, it's not true. Uh, I am a quote-unquote entrepreneur, but what that means is I am good at having people around me to bounce off ideas with and bounce off how would that be able to, how would we be able to execute on that. Uh, an entrepreneur is not one single person uh, doing everything. An entrepreneur is someone or a few people that are really good at understanding how we can use each other's uh, talents. I would never invest in one person. Find co-founders. I, I say that a lot to people, like no one would invest in you alone. Uh, give away ownership to people that can go on the journey with you because it's also a very tough journey. And with that said, you need some, you need at least two people to be there with you. I would say three is the magic number of amount of founders. Uh, don't be cheap and have all shares yourself. Be generous and give away shares to people that can become your co-founders that can help you through the way. No one will invest in one per person, except if that person is like Elon Musk or then it's a different story. Mm -hmm. I think most people are aware of Elon Musk and his futuristic tech ventures. But where else do you think the future of technology is headed? And uh, more specifically, the Swedish tech scene. Is it still on an upward trajectory? So um, I would say one of the good things is um, like with Spotify and iSettle and Klarna is the fact that there's a lot of money in Sweden right now, uh, meaning we have a lot of money for early startups. And you see that a lot. There's a lot of new startups. There's a lot of early stage startups. There's a lot of ideas and how do you do this. One super good initiative is also Antler and they invest in founders, like people, you don't have to have an idea, you just have to be a person willing to walk and um, talk uh, entrepreneurship or startup. And then they give fund you for like two months where you get to find your team and come up with an idea, uh, which is super good. So I really think it's flourishing a lot. Uh, I think there's a lot of women, like the lack of women is uh, not true because I get a lot of women that want investments. Uh, that I try to help. But I think one of the problems looking at, if you look at ownership, is the problem is not that we have had too few co-founders being women. The problem is that we uh, women don't only get less pay, they ask co-founder, if you're a co-founder, you get less equity. Meaning that if it goes well, your money compared to the, your male founder's money are less meaning you can't give back money to the system or to the startup scene as much, and meaning you going to found your second company or third or fourth uh, is also smaller because you don't have the cash as your male founders, co-founders. And then if you are an employee, an early employee at a startup, you also get less equity than your male co uh, colleagues, meaning women don't get money. Meaning when we start companies, we have to give up more of our company in order to get funded. Meaning again, we will get less money in the end. And I hate talking about money because it sounds like I'm a capitalist and like money is everything, but money gives power. And also just look at Jeff Bezos and his wife uh, founded Amazon. 
she has already gone out and said she would give, will give up 50% of her wealth. He has not done that. And she has less money than he has. So how do women achieve equality in the startup world? I think one of the things is like when I've uh, been in startups, I had no idea what I was worth. It wasn't until it was too late. Uh, I had no idea. So I think one is education, making sure women understand equity and ownership and what it means, and also what should you get? What is like the what is the benchmark for it? Because I didn't know. Uh, it's not until I've done a lot of mistakes that now I know. Uh, so I think that sharing that and talking more about ownership and equity uh, for women, um, because women are not risk, not risk avert. That is also a lie, to be completely honest. The thing, if you look at the companies that have done well in Sweden, those guys have already been in, already had money, and then you don't take risk. Um, Slack's founder, for example, it's all, he also had money. There's all of these men who are, they are usually serial entrepreneur and they usually have money from the start. So it's not the risk. So this whole idea of people being in their garage in underwear, eh, that's not true really. It's true for some, but it's not true for most. Uh, so I would say a lot of education and the picture of what it is and someone needs to like say it like it is and not only be like, oh, the problem is with women, they're too risk avert, there's no women. Uh, yes, there is women. We're not giving them money. We're not putting our money where our mouth is and saying we want more women. Invest in them then. Find them. They, if they're not in your network, find people that don't look like yourself. Please, venture capitalists, do that. <laughs> find people that don't look like yourself and invest in them. So you were saying that having a mixed team is crucial for businesses. So different cultures, different genders. Definitely. Uh, definitely. I think one of the things also people saying like, uh, I believe in gender equality is that they forget that there's also more than just gender equality. It's people from different backgrounds and ethnicities. And then when they say, for one really usual thing people say is like, we have... Uh, 50-50 gender equality and then we have lots of different nationalities in our team and then it's only white men in the leadership team. Uh, I, don't, I won't respect you if that's what the, the deal is and I won't invest in you. You become really well known for your honesty in discussing your struggles as firstly a woman and a first generation Swede. Can you explain what issues you've had to overcome? I would say my thing with growing up as an immigrant kid in Sweden, it's always been I have to, like, I am, I am also a woman, meaning I have to perform ten times better as anyone else to be seen as and barely equal. And I've had that in my mind and in my upbringing a lot, not from my parents, but from society, that I, I'm not part of society if I'm not 500%, because then I'm like, yeah, you're part of society, you're Swedish now. But if I do something wrong, then I'm not Swedish. Uh, so I've had that a lot in my ways of working and why I work so hard. Uh, it's that kind of revenge and like, I want to be part of something. But then when I saw that with my dad, I realized that I 
don't want to miss out on life. So my dad passed away last year in, in uh, end of March and he worked until he couldn't use his hands anymore. And then I realized that I had turned into my father. And then, because uh, I have worked a lot. I've traveled a lot and I've worked a lot. And I have uh, neglected my friends, my family and uh, myself. Um, and then I realized when I saw that, there's also a difference between me and my father because my father came here as an immigrant and there is, he had to, like he didn't really have an option. I have an option to not do all of that. And he and my mom has also worked, she's a nurse, uh, she's also worked a lot. Uh, and both of them have done that for me and my siblings. So now I was thinking, uh, now I have new startups, yes, but I'm not working as I did before uh, because of the reason. One, I have done the hard work already, so I don't have to do as much, and I can work smarter, uh, which is an important thing, I think. Uh, but it's also like I didn't want to become or I realized I had become my father and I don't want to do the sacrifice. He did it and he needed to do it. I don't have to. So your new mantra is to slow down and work smarter. But you still have this incredible drive that propels you forward. You've just turned 30 and you've achieved so much for someone of this age. In fact, anyone of any age. So if someone was looking to become the next Donna Hanafi, what are your tips for them? Uh, I think it's a lot of, uh, on the good and the bad side, I have a lot of revenge within me. Uh, like, growing up in Sweden for me was really tough. I wanted to move uh, back to Egypt until I was 19 years old uh, because I realized that the, the world in Egypt <laughs> for me isn't as good as it would be in Sweden. Uh, but I think that a lot of the revenge and making sure, like, I get to be here and part of society has been, has been a lot that makes me not go up every morning, although I've been struggling with 500 things at the same time. Um, and I also think that's one of the reasons for why I haven't crashed like to death uh, with all of the things I've done, because it's been like, I can't crash. I can't afford crashing. I don't have a safety net that can make me, enable me to crash because one of the things is also like, I am a safety net for my family. And not only my, my entire family is also, we help each other, but it's not, I don't have a safety net in the same way that other people do. Like if I would go out, if I wouldn't have a job, I wouldn't be able to do, ask my mom like, hey, can you provide for me? My mom is a nurse for God's sake. Uh, I can't do that, meaning then I have to. Uh, I would also say one of the things I find, like for the last year since my dad passed away, is what makes me go up every morning is a lot like I am in control. No one can stop me but myself. And having that mantra um, like repeated to myself, like I'm in control, I choose where I want to go and what I want to do. And that helps me a lot with like, if, uh, if anyone stops me, then I find another way. Uh, I'm not allowing anyone to stop me, kind of. It's very powerful. <laughs>
Obviously, your family have inspired you a lot. But if you had to invite five other inspirational people to dinner, who would they be? I think one of the, uh, one of the things I really like, um, I was very inspired by Steve Jobs. I don't like him anymore because he's a bad leader. Uh, but I was really inspired by Steve Jobs and Apple when I was uh, a teenager. Uh, but I would actually say that one of the best things with and the reason for why I also have a lot of energy is my network within the startup community. I have lots of women around me that inspire me daily and that I also can be vulnerable to like when things are tough. Um, like I have uh, my friend Josephine Landgård from, uh, she's a co-founder of Kri. She's amazing. Uh, she's so smart and super duper cool. Uh, and then I have uh, Anna, who was the CEO of Greta, which I was part of. Uh, she is also one of the smartest, coolest people I've met, and she is one of my best friends. Uh, there's a lot of people around me. Lisa and Kel, she's not around me right now because she lives in Singapore. Uh, she's a partner at Antler and she also, uh, she also travels around the world and invests with her partner Andreas Ian, who was the first CTO at Spotify. I have a lot of people around me and they don't have to have like these fancy titles or whatnot, they do though, but that inspire me uh, on a daily basis that I would say more. And then I've met a lot of cool people in San Francisco and I met a lot of cool founders of big companies. But I would say what inspires me most is real people, genuine, like seeing the people behind and understanding like their daily struggles and all that stuff. I'm not that impressed by, for example, Elon Musk um, in that sense. I think most people are aware of Elon Musk and his ventures, but where else do you think the future of tech is headed? I think one thing is super interesting, and that is women's health is really on the rise. And both when it comes to capital, there's a lot of money in that industry, and women are becoming uh, richer, and then they're willing to pay for a lot of stuff. For example, um, for example fertility. Uh, another thing is like your menopause and period and PMS. There's a lot of different stuff uh, when it comes to women's health that I'm really interested in. And that space is really booming. Uh, just look at Clue and Natural Cycles, that's from Sweden. It's really on the upbringing. And then I would say like anything with regards to sustainability. I have a couple of friends now working on uh, like a battery um, kind of startup, I can't really say what it is, but that's also super cool in terms of the impact they can have on the world. Uh, also look at, instead of looking at how much money can we make, what impact can we have on the world? And what impact can we have on people? Because impact is usually equals to a lot of money. So how do you break into the startup scene? Uh, you, so my break-in was actually studying. I would really encourage people to study like tech in some way uh, and become engineers. You don't have to become an engineer engineer. You can also like study at Hyper or something, but getting into the tech scene and getting the competence of tech in some kind of way. You don't have to be a programmer, uh, anything digital. Uh, I think that 
when you do that, then especially also through school. School is the best network ever. Uh, but I would say the best thing with the startup industry is that it's very, very open. Uh, like when you when you get in, uh, when you, after going to networks and talking to people, people are very generous with their time. And the best thing I would say is you also become friends with them. Uh, in Sweden, it's very hard to become friends with people, especially after university or after school. It's like. Uh, Everyone is done with their friends. Uh, I've gotten most of my friends after university. Uh, I have like a few friends from when I studied, uh, from when I was a kid, but uh, not not much. A lot of my very close friends are from the startup scene. So you would encourage people, especially newcomers to Sweden, to go to networking events and put themselves out there, to not be afraid. Yeah, yeah, and also I would say. One of the best things is start a company. <laughs> uh, start a company. Uh, but also go to the networking events. There's quite a lot. And the best thing with the startup scene, to be 100% honest, is that we usually talk English even when we're like five people on a startup. We have no problems. Like, I was so surprised when I realized there's a lot of Swedish companies that, are like, that say you need to talk Swedish and you need to know Swedish. And like your big industrial companies and you need to speak Swedish. Why? I think it's more important that you know English. Um, and I would say, yes, I understand the whole Swedish thing because of society, but at work, like the best thing with startups is that they don't care that you can't don't know Swedish because they have to start with English because Sweden is too small of a market for a startup. So if you could sum up all your experience into one like quote, one piece of life advice, what would it be? Follow your passion, talk to people, be smart. Also, like I'm in the automotive industry a little bit now uh, and in a lot of other industries with other clients, but I've worked with automotive and aviation and that was something I knew nothing about. Uh, but to be completely honest, when I worked in Mentimeter and Tick Thailand, Greta with internet infrastructure, I knew nothing about anything. <laughs> and that's one of the things also, what are you passionate about? But also, you can't learn and become good at something if you don't start. No one is good from the start. So just, just try it and see if it's fun. And if it's not, eh, bye-bye. <laughs>